everybody, and welcome to The Wall, Behind and Beyond. I am Philip, your host. Today we have two social documentary producers who focus mainly on issues dealing with the prison system. They are from Norway, a country that is considered to have the best correctional system in the world. So good, in fact, it has its own standard and is referred to as the Norwegian model. We wanted to speak with them so that we could share some aspects of this model with our listeners. We believe it is fiscally and socially beneficial to us here in the United States if we adopt this model as well. We have a problem with mass incarceration, and the only proof you need is that we have over 2 million people confined to our prisons at any given time. Try to let this sink in. We have more people in prison than any other country in the world combined. To me and to many others, this is untenable. So with that, I want to welcome both of our guests. Thank you for being here. Please tell the listeners your names, where you are from, and what made you want to get into this line of work. Absolutely. Uh, I can start. I'm, I'm Thomas Lind. Uh, at the moment, I'm stationed in, in Sweden. That is right next to Norway. Originally, I'm from Finland, so a small correction uh, to the introduction, but otherwise, everything is, is, is perfectly in order. I've Together with John, uh, we've been producing a lot of social documentaries regarding Christians and, and been visiting a lot of facilities in Sweden, in Norway, in Finland, in Denmark, uh, also in the US. Uh, we've done several documentaries regarding the differences. Uh, the main overarching question perhaps is, you know, the purpose of a facility like a prison. What is the purpose? Uh, to rehabilitate, to, as they say in Norway, create good neighbors, or to punish and sort of have a continuous punishment that goes on for the for the duration of the sentence, be it for life or for, for a shorter term. Um, for me personally, I, I think that facilities and a prison is a very good mirror of society. How do we treat the people that we have full control over? And it's a very, it's a, it's a facility and a process and a concept that really opens your eyes to a country and how we look at each other and the way we can improve incarceration and prisons, I think is a gateway how we can improve a lot of things in a society. Thanks for having me here, Philip. And over to you, John. Uh, great to be here as well. My name is John Stark, and just like Thomas, I'm also originally from Finland, but currently I live in Sweden. Uh, to continue from where Thomas left off, we've both been working for for uh, public service broadcasting companies, first in Finland, now in Sweden. So, so we work for companies that are that are non-profit uh, and, and and no advertising and and so on so so uh, that means that 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 we can be completely free with with our storytelling and so on and and focus on issues regarding society and 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 criminal justice in in our case and it's been it's been an exceptional journey that that, that we've been on during the the last few years uh, just like thomas said ha having had the the possibility and opportunity to, to 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 visit some some facilities, meeting persons, and actually seeing hands-on, you know, and 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 seeing on location 
what works in in some prisons and and what doesn't work and and what we could learn from each other so that's that 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 type of stories are are what we're working on at the moment so it's great to be here thank both of you uh individuals uh for coming um and sharing your um insights um and for clarifying some things mainly where you're from uh because i was under the assumption it was doorway um i want to get to what some of the things that you guys are saying um i think that the crime and punishment thing um that we've been seeing play out um you know punishment versus rehabilitation um has become a, a failed experiment and uh here in the united states uh because you know it's referred to often as the uh, prison industrial complex um they have made it um into a business um and because of that it's profitable in a lot of ways to a lot of stakeholders therefore uh they're not trying to uh reimagine what it could be uh, we know that there's two or three other countries i mean two or three other states uh in the united states who have begun trying to implement uh but you know they're only scratching the surface because as i read i see that there's no it's not in comparison to um some of the things that i'm hearing and learning about what's going on in uh countries over in uh scandinavia uh so if i may i want to get to the questions both of you can answer um how long has norway and other scandinavian countries been using this particular approach and model for how they do prisons it's uh um uh, going back and uh, and these are things that, that we've come across in our research uh, with regards to to norway the there's a, the journey for them is well documented they uh Jan Strömnes one of the main characters in, in one of our previous documentaries uh, breaking the cycle uh described it like this that in the 80s and early 90s they had a lot of issues and problems with uh their facilities in Norway that were operating on a similar standard and with a similar according to similar values that in the US that it was punishment first there was rehabilitation wasn't really the main focus in the 80s and 90s in in Norway uh, they had a lot of drugs in the prison they had a lot of inmates with psychiatric uh, problems they had some riots uh, escapes were not uncommon and uh, uh, they had a very limited interaction between you know COs and inmates it it was a very it was a facility that is you can still see today in the US where you are housing individuals that have committed crimes they also had two murders uh, on correctional officers happening in 1989 and in 1982 uh which sparked a debate in Norway that really boiled down to you know two main roads forward either we increase the security the physical security and we make much more secure facilities and we start to be tough on crime and tough on inmates and and you know raise the level of hostility inside the prison in order to reduce the violence or we try a different route and we try to increase the security for staff and we try our best to rehabilitate uh, uh, those who are incarcerated it was a political decision 
and it was unanimous in the government at the time. It was in 1997 or 1996. And they decided that let's move in a different direction. Let's go all in on the rehabilitation. Let's change the role of the correctional officer that they, their main focus should be to help the inmate to live a life without crime. Not just, you know, host the, and, and guard the facility and be responsible for everyone being present and count and so forth, but actively take a big role in helping the inmates to live a life without crime. And this was a, this was a very big shift in the policy. Uh, the Nordic countries, Finland, Sweden, Denmark, Norway, we moved together on a lot of these social issues. And originally this train of thought uh, came about in Finland in the 70s, uh, was adopted into Norway slowly and Sweden and Denmark. And now we all operate with this mindset and this, this road forward that the function and the role and the purpose of a facility and a correctional officer should be to rehabilitate and to help the inmates to live a life without crime. Um, as the saying goes, everyone that is in prison in the Nordic countries will be released one day. And we should be focusing on providing the society with good neighbors, good neighbors that are exiting the facilities when they have served their time. So that is really the backdrop and the, and the history of, the, of how the changes came about in the Nordic countries, Norway, Denmark, Finland and Sweden. That's excellent. Absolutely. Um, I love what you said about um, at some point everyone is going to be, get out of prison and um, you want to focus on how to create a good neighbor as opposed to someone who's probably traumatized, um, feels defeated, uh, indignified and having all his uh, his humanity uh, stripped from him. And so I love that answer. Um, that, that gave us a lot of history in terms of uh, why, why it began. One of the uh, reasons why we have not come to the place where we need to be in the United States is because we try to meet uh, bad behavior with a, with a negative reaction. Like, uh, uh, for an example, when you see that the system is going in a certain direction, instead of talking about solutions, uh, we talk about tightening up on restrictions or tightening up on a, uh, punishments and, you know, locking people in solitary and, uh, giving them new charges. And, you know, we don't, we don't look for the solutions that, uh, address people's needs. So I just wanted to put that in there. But my, uh, next question for either of you is, uh, did they face stiff opposition? And if so, are there still opponents of this model after seeing the results? Because you guys have positive results uh, with a 20% recidivism rate. That's awesome. Uh, there was uh, quite a lot of, of, of opposition in, in the beginning. But uh, like Thomas said, the, uh, the decision in Norway was unanimous on, on, on the government level. And, and, and many leading figures within the Norwegian Correctional Services, they were definitely for this reform. But the opposition was mainly uh, within the the rank and file, you know, correctional officers and so on, who, who who were not used to to you know, of course not for for natural reasons. They they had served in their 
traditional role as as correctional officers uh, guarding the facility and, and and so on maintaining the security but but this new role was more uh, called like you know you're you're now supposed to be a, a so-called contact officer which means that 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 your your your, your work is perhaps you know more towards a, a social worker in, in in the sense that uh, your role is becoming more of helping uh, helping your own inmates since they're responsible for for a few inmates you know per contact officer so so your your role is for example to to help that inmate to to think about his or her uh, you know way forward you know forward what to, to to study while incarcerated what what jobs could could he or she find after after the, the sentence has ended and so on and and basically it's it's about talking communicating all the time and getting to know each other to to be to be personal but not private but but you know the the, the main reason is, is, is to get close to one another and and friends don't hurt each other that's one part of the whole philosophy but but that's a huge change in the role of a from you know being a traditional correctional officer so so there was definitely some opposition but but uh, from from what what we've experienced thomas i i i don't think we've encountered much if any opposition in the scandinavian countries during our visits there no not really, and and uh, I, I could expand a little bit on what John said. Uh, you know the concept of dynamic security, uh, which was what what the the correctional officer role was transformed into to be not only responsible for the physical security, but also the uh, physical security being barbed wire walls, cells, locks. You know everything that is keeping inmates in, in their place, so to say. The dynamic security side was the more important one. That meant that as an officer, you had to interact with the people you are responsible for, uh, talk to them, play cards with them, you know, hang out, uh, talk, uh, get to know them. So a, re so a relationship can be formed. Uh, and this is called dynamic security because of the reason that if you know someone, you can immediately tell if that person is, you know, feeling unwell or if something's bothering the inmate in the morning, if there's, if they are frustrated, frustrated about something. And that way you can spot these things that during a day or a week or a month can grow into something that become, say, a violent solution that something happened somewhere, there's a conflict, and it escalates, and eventually someone gets hurt. With dynamic security, the correctional officer can spot this very early on and indirectly provide a much more secure facility and a much more secure unit that the officers are responsible for. It's a very interesting concept that that, that also lowers the stress levels for everyone involved for the people incarcerated, but also for the correctional officers themselves. The working place becomes much better. And this was one of the arguments as well, that this change is for the better, not only for the people incarcerated, but also for you who are working inside a facility. You don't have to be looking over your shoulder all the time and be 
be afraid because 60 seconds remaining you've built a relationship absolutely uh i'm gonna call back you know that's the 20 sec the 20 minute 60 second time on the phone uh we'll resume after this this is our break uh i'm gonna get back on the other side of it hey everybody um i just wanted to say go to my website grant parole to philip g-r-a-n-t-p-a-r-o-l-e-t-o P-H-I-L-L-I-P dot com. And scroll down, you'll see a link to donate for my legal fees. As I'm in need of a criminal attorney, uh, I also have another link to donate to my GoFundMe for mental health expenses. Thank everybody for your support, and thank everybody for the love they've been showing me. I appreciate it. And um, God willing, you know, it'll make a difference, and I'll be home soon. Okay, so uh, I'm back on the other side. Um, so I, w- I want to uh, ask, so in places like Norway, uh, Sweden, Finland, who would you say it is that sets the policies or makes the policies um, that you see uh, have taken place over the years in the system over there? Um, would it be uh, the DOC, the Department of Correction, uh, the prison officials, or would it be the governor of the uh, states, the individual uh, cities? Uh, that whole prisons. No, it's it's definitely the the you know the equal violent body like the the Department of Corrections. So so it's it's governed by 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 the by the countries or or, or the the states. But it's it's definitely not you know on, on a governor level. It's it's on, it's on a country or or state level. So yeah, yeah. And and the policy the policies themselves are. You know policies that are decided by the government. That these are the ambitions. Uh, the, these are the money and funding available to achieve these goals, and these are the goals. And then a lot of you know decisions on on how to proceed with this is is done on the uh, department level, so to say. Mm-hmm. I hear that. Um, yeah, because that was a curiosity. Because we're over here trying to uh, you know figure out how the implementation can be speed sped up. Uh, because we're at a we're at a crucible, you know. What I mean, we're at a very pressing point uh, where so we have to do something about this problem. Uh, here in the U.S., uh, policies are made by like the Division of Corrections, the Department of Corrections, instead of by the public policy organizations. Um, so they go for more and more disciplinary and punishment motivated policies as opposed to what some consider uh, carrot and stick incentive models, um, and so. I brought that up because I think once we find out how to get past the opposition and once we get everyone on board from the governor on down, that we can make sweeping implementation um, instead of bits and pieces at a time. Because, like, I see little things like they stopped calling um, us offenders at this particular facility and started calling us incarcerated individuals. I mean, that's cool, but that's just a band-aid, like... uh, that's not that's not nearly enough. We need um, programs and resources directed uh, to different things, and we need a shift in how the correctional officers view uh, and treat uh, those who are overcharged. I uh, I agree. I agree. And I, I no, just to just to reinforce what you say. I I, I mean, you mentioned a number of incarcerated people in the U.S. and and uh, we've been to enough facilities to see that there's 
in our in my personal view there's there's a lot of improvements that could be made and there's a lot of good examples in elsewhere in the world that you can look at and see how can we implement that and in fact that is the uh, what we are following now in in a documentary series that is coming out in January 2023 where a small facility in Pennsylvania is trying to implement a lot of the concept the concept of dynamic security but also the concept of normality uh, that the punishment in itself is you know the restriction of liberty but other than that you have a right to privacy and a, and a toilet and you you get to cook your own food and you you get to interact with the offices and you can you can build a relationship and they are, they are now trying to try out all these all these things that yield good and great results in the Nordic countries. So I think this could be relevant. I, I think what, what is needed is American and US examples of a different way providing lower stress levels, a better working environment for staff and yielding lower recidivism rates and you know good results all around. And perhaps the Pennsylvania project can spark something. But I agree that, that uh, there needs to be a lot of experiments at the moment in the U.S. trying new things because the, the old ways are, are not really working for anyone. CEOs in, in the U.S. are not doing that great either on a, on a mental health uh, level and, and stress levels and so forth. So this is much needed. Yes, absolutely. Um... I agree with everything you said. Um, I want to add that I was just telling um, an individual the other day that your loss of liberty is what the courts sentence you to, and that is your punishment. Um, you shouldn't uh, be sentenced to more than that. It's not a part of your original sentence. I mean, you shouldn't um, have the system uh, pile on to that and create further mental health problems or trauma. Uh, through the stress levels that goes on because the system is functioning in a way that is not uh, helpful uh, to a person's mental health. Um, is there really a movement to see the Norwegian model of prisons here in the U.S.? Um, if so, how do we get people to buy into it? Um, like, are there people like that's really trying to push it to see um, these models come to the United States, or is it all on the United States? ourselves uh, to figure this out uh, there there is some cooperation and there, there has been some cooperation between uh, specifically norway and and the us going on for a while for example i think it's led from san francisco it's a program called amend they work in some some states especially on the west coast i think uh, we haven't been involved or or, or work with with them but but th there are some progressive uh, governors and, and heads of, of departments of corrections. For example, in the state of Colorado, where, where you have Mr. Dean Williams, who previously was in Alaska, who has some great ideas inspired by Europe and, and by Scandinavia. So he is he he's, he's very you know, progressive in, in that sense. But I, I do think, you know, continuing on from, from what Thomas said, the, the data is there. We, 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 we know for a fact, it, 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 it's not a feeling, it, it, it's data that, that uh, the toughest prisons have the highest uh, uh, rates of, of violence and, 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 and high 
recidivism rates. So, so we know, we all know that that the tougher punishment methods don't work, and and we we, we know for a fact that correctional officers have higher levels of PTSD than war veterans and so on. So people are, are, are not doing well. Prisons are, are, are overcrowded and, and there are too many inmates who, who are not doing well and, 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 and they're not being rehabilitated. So the, the, the system just isn't working. So if, if we can uh, uh, you know, start from, from, from that fact, you know, can we agree that, that the current system doesn't work? Then we have to do something else. And like Thomas mentioned, the, the, the project we're following now in Pennsylvania certainly wants to, to try out something new. And, and, and we want to, to follow their journey to see, you know, can a, 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 a U.S. facility inspired by Scandinavian methods, practices and values actually work in an American context? It'll be interesting to see. But as, as I, I want to be optimistic and, and believe that, that when people actually see the results, people feel better and, and they get better results, then I hope that it will spread, you know, slowly but surely. That's, that, that's, what, that's what I hope, personally. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for that answer. Uh, well, to be honest uh, and in full disclosure, uh, Washington State, where I am, actually has a progressive governor in place right now. Uh, so I don't think that it's a far cry or far stretch uh, that this system in particular uh, could pivot um, in the way that the Nordics um, prisons have. Um, in fact, you know, my organization, my nonprofit called Inside Outside Consults Inc., uh, it's a part of our mission. It's a part of uh, what we would like to see take place. It's one of the main things because I've done 31 years and I want to see uh, more programming. I want to see more mental health uh, treatment. I want to see more positive um, and social interaction between um, staff, guards, and prisoners. Um, and I want to see the humanity uh, come into the system because that's the things that create, uh, you know, a pro a pro social uh, mentality in people and make people feel good. Therefore, um, when they get out, um, they feel healthy. You know. So, thank you for uh, sharing that. What was Norway's approach to the COVID-19 pandemic inside of the prisons? For natural reasons, we did limited traveling uh, to Norway and even less inside facilities during the pandemic. We were in Pennsylvania um, in March 2020. I think it was just four or five days before, you know, everyone realized that this was really, really bad. Uh, I remember leaving JFK in in the sense that what's going what's going on because we really managed to get home in the final seconds. But we've been having contact with Swedish facilities during the pandemic, and there has been a lot of restrictions in visiting, causing a lot of distress and a lot of anger uh, inside the facilities. And I know that they've been struggling with that. Um, uh, I would assume and I have heard that inside Norwegian facilities, it was the same that they had to act fast and they had to lock the door and, and exclude, you know, normal visiting, which is very frustrating. What it's on a positive note, if, if we can bring something from the pandemic and the world of prison that is actually a positive, it, it really accelerated the implementation of new technology that you could use Skype, 
very easily and very conveniently that you could have Zoom meeting, that you could, you know, provide with technology as much relief as possible in a, in a, in a, on a bigger scale than with physical meetings. And, and uh, we visited uh, Pennsylvania last fall um, when the pandemic was still ongoing and spoke with a lot of people living there that it, it had been very frustrated. They called prison the worst place on earth to be in during a pandemic with people being so close and, and uh, no visitation and a, and a big sense of, of uncertainty regarding your own health, but your the health of your friends and families on the outside and you know elderly relatives and, and so forth. So I would assume on a human level that the experiences were very similar, although the Nordic countries try to be more humane in, in a lot of senses. I think the pandemic really, you know, came, it, it happened so fast and so it was so unpredictable that uh, the restrictions were, were in place also in, inside Swedish and Norwegian prisons. Oh man, that's powerful. Um, I know here, you know what I mean, I had caught COVID two times. Um, I had went on three different lockdowns. We've been dealing with it now for over two years. Um, we still have to wear masks. They can't control the it from entering the prisons because they don't have a, a way to enforce their officers uh, to to comply uh, to some of the protocols out in society. And so it's going to keep coming in here. I'm fully boosted. You know, a lot of people didn't take it, you know. Uh, but I was I was just curious because I was wondering, are we ever going to uh, figure out a way to deal with this pandemic or this COVID-19 and these variants inside of these prisons? Because the only um, way that I can see uh, that we will be, remain um, if, um, not in, uninfected is if we take and separate uh, ourselves from those who come from this outside to the inside. Um, yeah, they're here, uh, but they don't have to be so close to us. Um, but again, that goes against everything we're talking about now. We're trying to become more um, personal and socially uh, uh, aligned. So I just hope that um, in the future this, we get a hold on this thing and uh, we can get past it and therefore we can um, get back to the work of trying to uh, get the prisons where they should be here. So thank you for okay. that answer. Um, in terms of uh, the work that you guys do, you know, with your documentaries, um, I hear that you've been in Pennsylvania. Um, I, I'm sure this can be duplicated here in the U.S. because of all the things that you guys have said so far. But we have to make the policymakers see the benefit um, of this complete overhaul. And so I hope that in the future we can work together and maybe um, you guys can do some a broader work in terms of putting together some documentary films that we could use when we go to lobby um, within our legislations and through our governors to take these proposals because my organization, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go straight to them with the facts and the data and we're going to try to show them not only um, how it helps the states individually, how it helps the person or the incarcerated person not to come back, uh, but also how it um, impacts the state Financially, you know, what I'm saying in a major way for taxpayers. Uh, one, of, uh, yeah, uh, one, one of, of of the beauties, or or, or you know, 
good, good things with the, the, the current documentary we're filming in Pennsylvania is the fact that, that the whole project, the whole, the whole experiment, so, so to speak, is, is heavily researched from, from the get-go by, by a bunch of, of, of professors and, 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 and researchers and, and uh, academic staff. So, so they, they measure everything and, and, and they, they have you know, tedious details of, of every step of the whole process. So, you know, if this uh, experiment, so, so, to, so to speak, if it works, then they have more or less a, a blueprint of how it was made. If it doesn't work perfectly, then they, they can all go back and, and check, you know, what could we have done differently and tweak something in order to make it even better the next time it's implemented somewhere else. And our work in, in, in the form of a three-part documentary will actually show much of that process on a human level, what, you know, how, how people take these new thoughts uh, to, to, to their cells and, and how and if they change and, and so on and, and what, what types of results this can yield. So, so this is an interesting experiment which will lean on a huge load of, of data so, so it can be you know, multiplied and copied to other places. So in you guys' opinion, uh, why do you think the U.S. continues uh, down this failed road of punishment uh, beyond the loss of one's liberty? Because as you say, um, we were sentenced to a loss of liberty, which is the punishment for uh, the crime or the offense. Um, so why do you think um, that they stick or continue down this failed path? I, I only have theories and thoughts that I have accumulated during 10 years of, of working in this area and, and talking to people on both sides of the fence, those promoting tough on crime policies and also those promoting rehabilitation. And, and my personal opinion is that there is a sense and an understanding in, in the US that somehow the punishment of the person who hurt me is an important part for me to heal. That the system sort of assists and tries to help the victim by hurting the perpetrator even more. And in my opinion, I, I think that is, that is not productive at all. We need to deal with grief and hurt and the loss of something in a different way um, than inflicting even more pain and hurt on another people on another person. Um, an interesting, uh, in in my opinion, an interesting fact from Norway is that ninety percent of the people who are incarcerated deal with some sort of issue, uh, you know, on a on a mental health problem level. So so we need to acknowledge that as well that that help is needed on both sides, but we can't combine it in an eye for an eye or, uh, you know, with a biblical re revenge uh, line of thinking. That is, that is not going to be productive for anyone, and it's, it's going to only yield more angry people down the road. Okay. Thank you very much for your answers, uh, Thomas and John. Um, you know, we're at the end. Um, I really appreciate your answers. Um, in closing, I wanted to give you guys a chance to tell listeners all over the world, you know, how can they get a hold of you? How can they um, check out some of your work? 
Um, and also, for you guys to give us a closing remark on how, what do you see happening in the near future um, as to, in terms of short-term goals as, a, as for us to correct uh, some of what we see is going wrong in our prison system here in the United States. Thank you so much, Paul, for inviting us over, Philip. And uh, uh, some of our work include uh, a TV series called The Norden that is available for free on, uh, on YouTube, I think. Uh, Breaking the Cycle can be found online at the moment. It's, uh, uh, it, it, it's, it was uh, globally available on Netflix. Now it's, you can find it on the, the yeah, on-demand server in Finland uh, and on other places as well. It's called Breaking the Cycle. Uh, arenan.yle.yfi uh, if you want to Google it up. And our next documentary series is going to be released in the U.S., early spring. Uh, I, we are shooting for January 2023. It's called The Prison Project, Little Scandinavia. Going forward, I would say that I am very optimistic. And there is an argument that I think is slowly starting to, to get hold of you in, in US policy and, and politics. And uh, it, it, the policies and, and the politics in the US is very divided at the moment. In, in two teams, really, and, and it's, it seems impossible for them to agree on something, but they seem to be agreeing on prison reform, but with two very different angles. Uh, the Democrats seem to be uh, recognizing the immense value of rehabilitation to get people uh, back together in, in society in order to you know, pay taxes and, and contrib contribute. Um, the Republicans seems to recognize that in the end, it's a much cheaper affair to rehabilitate people and actually get them out to be productive again. And you have also some very conservative correctional officers that can recognize that a better working environment and a, a more stress-free working environment could be beneficial. So I'm an optimistic, but I think I can see some touching points where they, they actually can agree on, on some changes that will be beneficial for both sides and looking working with you know for 10 years with people working inside the prison system in the US there are immensely smart and progressive people working there that really try and really know what they're doing and I would say that the energy and the amount of people trying to change is growing and uh, I would be surprised if, if their energy and work and dedication and intelligence wouldn't lead to something. So I'm hopeful. John? Very briefly, um, I, 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 um, I wouldn't say that anyone is so naive to, to, to think that you can copy a system from Norway or Sweden to, to, to the US and, and, and try to make it work. But the most important thing is to, to, to pick some form of, of, of elements from, from a, a model that actually works here in Scandinavia and, and um, use those uh, elements, adapt them to, to your own reality. For example, in, 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 in Norway, the correctional officers have an education that lasts, I think, three years. In, in, in the US, it's perhaps six weeks or so, that, that, that's a huge difference. Uh, we can't 
extend the training, you know, with 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 two years just like that. But 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 you can change the the content of the training of the correction officers even during those six weeks. You know, less perhaps handling of weapons, more communication skills, and so on. So you have to to adapt this to to your own reality. So so, but I'm 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 in the same camp as Thomas. I'm optimistic as well. So so check us up on YouTube if you check Breaking the Cycle or Little Scandinavia on YouTube. You can get a hold of us. Thank you so much. Uh, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the uh, information that you guys have shared, uh, some of the links uh, to some of these great works um, that break down um, the benefit of these models. And I'm going to try to share them with the governor of this state. I'm going to try to share them with some of the policy um, organizations and also reach out to some of the organizations like AMEN. Um and trying to see what we can do. You know, it's all about getting started, you know, one part at a time. Uh, we all can play a role, and that's why I had you guys come on. Um, and I look forward to the future of having an extended show where we bring on um, ex-incarcerated individuals, uh, some of the people um, in America and U.S. systems who have already started implementing along with you guys again. Um and just see where we're at, you know, and where and how, and how much progress has been made. So thank you very much for coming on. And um, I'm sure our listeners would love uh, this episode because, you know, that's the that's the uh, elephant in the room. You know what I'm saying? What are we going to do about these prison, prison, prison issues um, that are making people worse um, as opposed to better? So thank you guys for coming on. And I, uh, I, I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, Philip. Great work. Uh, thanks for having us.